another episode of The Lava Pool. I'm your host, Sam, Dr. Fidget Harsma. And this week's intro topic comes to you from Temple VGC. He asks, what's the best food to eat during big tournaments like regionals and the big one, U.S. Nats? First person to answer this question, Gabby, JTK. Hi, everybody. Hey. What, what's the best food? I... I see. See, I'm I'm really torn because, like, when you think of nationals, you think of steak and shake. But steak and shake is actually really bad brain food. I don't know if anybody out there knows this already. It it just puts your brain to sleep. So I actually found that some bizarre concoction slash combination of protein bars and those chocolate covered espresso beans really helped okay. me get through tournaments. So you're just trying to be wired, is what you're trying to do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, and and that voice you just heard is the one and only Chalky. Chalky, right. how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, Sam. Anytime. Now, what do you think the best food to eat during a big tournament is? So, when I'm at a tournament, my big thing is just keeping my stomach as level as possible, because that's just one more distraction that could possibly throw off my game. So, I'm usually a big fan of just basic granola bars like just like a little bit of grain a little bit of fruit just something that goes down easy something and i, I do kind of side with gabby a little bit about the protein just something that's a little full so you're not thinking about how hungry you are later um usually just something light though um, although i do lean for steak and shake after the meal oh yeah afterwards it's anything goes all right and rounding out our panel this week we have paul nugget bridges own mccurry Hey guys, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Okay, and what do you think the best food to eat during a tournament is? Okay, so it's not really a food. Um, okay, it's a <laughs> beverage. <laughs> I think it's very important to stay hydrated, and so like, drink a ton of water. Like I always have like three huge bottles of water with me at all times. I think it's just super important to stay hydrated. Like, along with, like Gabby said, like, the mental stuff, I think water is a big key in just keeping your body running. I totally thought you were going somewhere completely different with this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, I was wondering if you were going to bring up, like, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but there's this stuff now called Soylent, which is basically, Uh, like, everything you could eat in a bottle per a day. Is it people? And it's not really food... But it's not really a beverage. It's weird. And it's not made of people, just to get that out of the way. It is not made <laughs> yeah, of people. Uh, yeah. I, I'm glad you said it problem. wasn't food, I thought he was going to give the same answer I was going to, which is I just eat my self-esteem before going in, and then <laughs> everything's okay. <laughs> anyway, and as long as we're on the topic of big, big tournaments... We finally got the location for this year's U.S. Nationals, and it is no longer Indianapolis. Woo! It's been that way for six years. Yay. 2010 to a 20... Wait. Yeah, it's six years, <laughs> yeah. 2015. Yeah. So this year we are going to... I'm not sure I would call it beautiful, but we are going to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> I've, I've been to Ohio many times. I don't know that I've been to Columbus. Has anyone here... Seen the place before? There was. Yeah, I, can I tell this story, Chalky? Because I think yeah, we might he, say the same thing. There was one time where Chalky and I were road tripping from Boston to, in, to Indianapolis for nationals, where we got sidetracked 
in was it Columbus, Ohio, or was it somewhere else? It was actually Cleveland. Oh, never mind. That's not even close. <laughs> I've been to Cleveland. <laughs> so that was not the story I was going to tell, Kathy. Okay, good game. Well, although the construction there in Cleveland was terrible, so it was no worth. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say I've, I was there in 2011. Um, I, I ran a marathon out there, and so it's which is something that's going to be really relevant to this podcast as well. Equally useless information, but um, hills are nice. People are okay. Um, was there steak and shake? There is steak and shake, but unlike the Indianapolis venue that we had, it's not within walking distance. It's like nine miles away, which is like 15 minutes by car or Uber, but you got to actually plan it out a little bit more instead of just going on the fly when you feel like it. That means there won't be a line, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's true. There will not be a line. If we if we get a group of people who are that devoted to steak and shake, we could probably split a cab and get there pretty easily. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so did, is there anything else to do in Columbus other than drive to a steak and shake? <laughs> you were talking about Cedar Point, weren't you, Doc? Yeah, that's... but that's like three, four hours. No, it's like two hours away. I, I would not call that within... Or be... <laughs> I would not exclude that from the driving distance thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm driving from Chicago to there, so I mean, I could hit that on my way back. It's only slightly out of the way. Um, I, I looked like, for sports stuff, like baseball and stuff. Literally every team in Columbus is out of state. Okay. So yeah, there's no sports venues available. My, That's a is there is there a zoo or something? Indianapolis I've never heard of the zoo. world f- world famous Columbus Zoo. <laughs> My so I was taking an Uber to the airport a couple weeks ago and the Uber driver was mentioning that there's an amazing place called Barrel somewhere in Ohio- in Columbus, Ohio that has an amazing meatloaf. Okay, I I just googled it and there is a Columbus Zoo and aquarium. Do they have whales? Good enough. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm hoping that they have walruses, so I can see a walrus in another state. Um, I'm seeing otters, tigers, elephants, rhinos, and a polar The big bear. six. So yeah, it, it looks like they have stuff. I don't know if they're going to have walruses or whales. I would doubt whales in Ohio. I mean, one if you're big dream. on plants and stuff, there's the Franklin Park Conservatory, which is like... Just a giant garden thing. That's kind of cool. They have a lot of snakes. <laughs> snakes are also cool. Why does it always have to be snakes? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm not seeing much in the aquatic department. There I guess the safe. simplest answer is we'll just find out what's there when we get there. Yeah. Uh, part, of, part of a new place is exploring it. True. And that's kind of, that's actually one of the things I love most about Pokemon, having all these regionals in different areas. I do like going to other areas and just finding out what's out there. Um, and I've surprised myself plenty of times that I thought there was going to be nothing but Pokemon, and then it ended up being a pretty cool place. All right. So, next topic we have, we're just going to keep on trucking here. 
International Challenge was last weekend. Who all played in that? I did. Besides me. I played for a little bit, but I was predominantly doing pack stuff, um, which we'll probably get to later as well. Yeah, I I didn't even sign up. I, I thought about it, but I mean, I'm pretty sure I've talked about my hatred for ICs before on this podcast, so... Yeah. yeah. There was an international challenge? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't sign up. I didn't play, so... Yeah. Okay. Wait, so was I the only one that actually played? No, I played. <laughs> okay. I, I finished the thing. I had internet, like, the day before and tried to put a team together, and it went okay. It didn't do great, but I had not Primal Grout on, so... <laughs> was that on purpose or an accident? Yeah, I I, w- I wanted to try the choice band just because it got some nifty KOs and a lot of people running Primal Groudon still try and Earth Power you, <laughs> which is great. That's some good tech right there. How did it turn out? Just um, I wrote this down. I finished twenty six and nineteen, and I ended on like a five game losing streak. Nice. That's how, that's how the internet cha- international challenge goes. I was on, like, a six-game winning streak, which finished with me beating Kamal, who was the only person I recognized the entire <laughs> the entire tournament. And then I just lost after that. It was real bad. Yeah, it's like poker. you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them for the international challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was feeling real good after I beat because that was, that was like a six-game winning streak, and he led Cresselia Amungus, and I led Chandelure Walrein. Oh, <laughs> and I just went for the turn one trick room, because I'm like, he's probably just going to trick room himself. If he spores, I pretty much automatically lose, but if he does anything else, this is going to be great. And sure enough, he went for the trick room, and I super fanged his Amungus. Yes. And then next turn, Heatwave was able to kill Amoongus while I got to Super Fang Crest. And then I got to reverse Trick Room again the next turn, and it was great. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's... Yeah. For long... And I got to brine his Groudon because he also had Kyogre. So, like, all my favorite things happened in that game. <laughs> Sounds like Did everything you went it? your way. No, I, I don't have the verse recorder on that. DS. Oh, is that the one that you don't have the Rayquaza Megastone yet either? Uh, yes, that's <laughs> one of two that don't have any of that stuff. Nice. You know, I mean, I know we we complain about the IC a lot, especially this year in particular, where it's kind of like a really unworthy payout when paired when the BFL is as the PCs. But I do got to say, just my experience this time was a lot less stressful than like years past like back when like we've all been around for a while so we remember back when there were actually disconnections as a serious problem and i just i can never get over and i i think it just must have been like you know one of those things that got set into my head and it's just never gonna go away like the old international challenges where there was no battle limit and like people would just play like 24 hours a day for three days straight like the last time you they, had to yeah you had to and the last time they did one of those international challenges i just remember i mean it wasn't really the game's fault like there were some other things going on that weekend that just put me on serious tilt 
But like ever since that one, I just I can't bring myself to play in ICs anymore. And like I'm actually really happy that the payout is so optional because like I I'm not missing out on anything. There's no like penalty for not playing anymore. It's just another way that, you know, if you want to try and get more CP, you can. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, think the international challenge CP is going to affect like world's invites for people like Simon anymore. But like I think people should still use it as practice. Like you're going to get 45 yeah. decent games and you'll learn a lot about your team with, you know, real competition because a lot of other people are taking it super serious. I, I agree with that. I, I think you still get the the benefit of the experience, but I think the, the weight of having to do well in this has been kind of removed, which I kind of liked about this one. Um, and the fact that your battle box is locked for an entire weekend means you have to learn about your team and like what it's what it's doing and what it's not doing. And I think a lot of times when people are practicing, they'll either like get frustrated and just stop playing right away, or they'll like swap something out as soon as it's not working. And so they don't they don't retain the information they learned as quick as much. Whereas if you're stuck with something for seventy two hours, like you're gonna retain the ins and outs a little bit better. Right, and you're gonna prepare a little bit more going into the thing yeah I, knowing I, that you can't switch anything i out. i definitely agree that like the best way to learn your team and how to get better at the game is just playing and playing a lot and the international challenges if you use it like that it's it's going to be very helpful yeah this was this was the first time in like seven eight months that i've had internet and the first time in almost a year that I've had internet that doesn't randomly drop out every 10 minutes. So this was actually my first time getting to play a large number of semi-competitive battles in a row. And I really liked it for that. Also, I just did some stuff on my little chart here. And if you subtract Japan, I had a 20 and 5 record in this. <laughs> <laughs> so, World's what are you saying, Sam? 2016 japan uh, dominates I'm, again <laughs> i'm actually really confused because before this year i always had a much better record playing against japan than i did against any other country this is the first time that is reversed and i'm confused i mean it might just be that this is the first time you're playing in the pacific time zone which overlaps a lot more with japanese players so you could just be playing better japanese players maybe because back when i was on the other coast i worked third shift and so when I played, it was between, like, midnight and 6 a.m. over there, which is about the same time that I was playing here. Oh, never mind then. I got nothing. Yeah. I don't know. There was a point where, like, we all went silent for a second, and I thought your internet cut out. <laughs> no. I'm looking over what Japan was using, and there's a lot of Greninja on there. Greninja. Journeys, yeah. They use weird stuff. Two different Kirims. Yeah, Japan always black. has weird things, and I think Kirim's underrated, but it's not amazing. And Japan will figure out figure a way to you, you, like get those kind of Pokemon working. Yeah, it, I'm surprised yeah. Greninja didn't rise to popularity sooner. I mean, it's fast. It gets a stab poison move that misses a lot. People yeah. are still running Precipice Blades. But that has two targets. People are still running it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not one of those things where, like, 
if Greninja misses a gunk shot, it's gone. It doesn't get a second chance. Groudon can usually live another turn and try it again. Eh. I just... I mean, maybe this won't come into play until we settle into more of a best-of-three format, but I I could see something like Greninja doing very well, provided you had enough redundancy or you just didn't care about the accuracy problem. Or if you just had a lot of support. I think we talked about Greninja on the last episode, but it's one of those things where it could always almost be good, and then you run the calcs and it just misses a whole bunch of stuff, and that was the last few years, and so now with all the restricted Pokemon, it misses stuff by a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, it's got the speed, but as soon as somebody tailwinds or trick rooms, then it's just not doing anything. Fair enough. So, moving on, next topic, that premiere challenge that Hayden was talking about on our last episode where we had to sit there for like six and a half hours because it started two hours late and then they sent his like final thing in wrong. So we had to wait another two hours. On the last episode, what the resolution seemed to be was that Hayden didn't make cut and so he didn't get CP, but everybody else got the CP anyway. Um, since that time, they have removed the CP from everybody that played in that tournament. It still shows up on our accounts that we earned the CP and that we played in that tournament, but the CP is no longer active for any of us, which I'm kind of annoyed by because I had to take an extra shift and didn't get home for like two days and... I went XO in Swiss and should have at least gotten top four if they were going to cancel that thing. Yeah, like, I mean, I I feel weird commenting on this because I was the person that directly benefited from this mistake. But, like, I just wish that if they were going to invalidate it, they would have just called it there and then sent us home. Yeah. Like, the only issue I have with the whole event was that we waited around for... Like, I don't even care about waiting around for the TCG people to finish, because, like, I get it. You know, you're running two tournaments at once, there's only, like, one TO, and the computers are going fritzy, whatever. But, like, if you're gonna make a call to invalidate a tournament, just do it at the tournament, please. I mean, yeah. the last time I had something like that happen with my championship points, it wasn't an issue that they just decided to make a call later. It was, like, the system wasn't submitting the stuff they were supposed to, and there was just nothing they could do. And, it, and like, that's something that I wouldn't necessarily blame the staff for. I, I, think, the, I think the staff in general get... The, the thing here is that everything went through. Yeah. And it... And we all got our stuff, and it was fine. And they were, like, on the phone with TPCI at the event, like, trying to make a call about sh- what how they should handle this. Like, it, it was it was a big thing. And, like, yeah. I, I, I don't usually like to give staff at these events a hard time because they're all volunteers. Like, they're not making money off this. They're just doing it because they love the game as much as we do. But, like, it, it just was one of those things where... Like, we, we were told that the event was just going to go on as scheduled and that um, if there was really a big issue, then Hayden should file a support ticket. Um, but there was nothing they could do. They had to just run the tournament as it was on Tom. So Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I feel real bad for Hayden, because, like, he wasn't going to get anything out of this anyway. But, I mean, at the same time, kind of mad that now nobody gets anything. Yeah. It And I'm even more mad that they gave it to us first, and then they took it away without without telling us. Like, I just went online yesterday and noticed that I dropped 20 CP and went, huh, that's weird. Yeah, I, I didn't know they could do that. I wonder if they're, in, like, in the process of fixing it or it's just uh, no longer exists. Like, have any of you put in a support ticket about this to ask them? Not yet. Yeah, I, I think I would get, like, on that. Just, like, you never know. They might be researching it or something trying to do something behind the scenes like i think i've seen cp disappear all the time not all the time but it's happened before and then like reinstated later and and adding to what paul said i mean if if nothing else it might be it might be better peace of mind if you actually like ask them and got to hear their side of the story and and that'll give them a chance to to share their side of the story too because there's probably more going on than we realize yeah well anyway i just wanted to update on that situation because it's confusing moving on um pax pokemon league yes that that was the thing that was this past weekend um pax south yes pax south so there's there's pax east in boston there's pax south in in san San antonio Antonio, and then there's pax prime in seattle (laughs) which is great because i've actually lived in all three of those states but um, so there's the PAX League, which is the PAX Pokemon League, which is like, it, it's basically recreating the in-game in, um, in real life. Where you, you you travel around the convention and you, you find people in these green scarves that are actually gym leaders and you challenge them, you, you, you play by their gym rules and you get badges. And if you get the badges, you can challenge the Elite Four. And if you get the Elite, if you beat the Elite Four, you can challenge the champion. It's, it's, it, it's a pretty cool concept. And for, so there's that thing that's like, typically more geared towards the casual players and then there's um very fairly recently i, I want to say they started doing bgc tournaments as well which are separate from the pax pokemon league but still pretty cool yeah um, so the the first bgc tournament was actually at east um when we went last year and when you say bgc it's not actual tc PCI stuff, right? No. So there's this one guy who basically goes to all the PAXs and who organizes these tournaments. So he looks at whatever rule sets currently active for VGC, and usually they're identical except for the fact that we it is a best of three format and Dark Void is like always banned. <laughs> I like one of those things. <laughs> they uh that that was actually really funny because they didn't put that in any of the rules that you would read when you signed up, and then they just announced it that like five seconds before the tournament was supposed to start, and then you just see like seventeen people whip out their DSs and immediately start changing their teams. Did that include both of you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> so like I ran Dark Void last time too. <laughs> So, like, it it was interesting because I know a lot of people have been very vocal on social media and on the Nugget Bridge forums about the fact that Dark Void in this format is kind of horribly broken. So it was interesting to kind of play these matches without having it there. And, I mean, granted, I think I played the least number of games out of anybody due to um, 
weird pairing circumstances. But the the couple teams I did see, like, they still functioned without Dark Void. And I I almost feel like that the metagame the, the game itself was more interesting to play just because it took out uh like easy prediction basically. So you had to put a little bit more thought into it. Well, I mean it the the thing is is that I mean Zach made a really good point in in his Nugget Bridge post about like Dark Void to a certain extent takes it takes things out of the control of the players because um there's like what like a, a 36% chance it's going to miss at least one of them there's like a 4% chance it's going to miss both of them and we don't even, and you don't you don't have any control over how many turns they fall asleep um and i and i found that the pax tournament was i mean it was a little bit weird just because it it wasn't like a standard tpci tournament but the fact that dark void was gone was, was kind of noticeable in the matches like it was it was a lot more there, there was a lot more tension. There was a lot more advanced planning that we had to do. And, and there were a couple of Pokemon that I'd kind of forgotten about in this format that I ran into in that tournament, and they gave me a lot more trouble than I thought they would. Well, like, um, another interesting thing about just PAX and Pokemon in general is that a lot of people who participate at PAX tournaments are people who will never go to an actual VGC event. So you kind of see these teams. I mean, granted, there are still a lot of people who just show up with their in-game teams, and then you feel really guilty because you send out Groudon Xerneas, and you just do that whole thing. Speak <laughs> for yourself. I had a hard run. I know, Speak well, for yourself. Well, so, I'm, I mean, like, just the, like your, your early rounds, like your first round opponent. Yeah. Like... But then you run into these people who have just enough competitive knowledge of Pokemon that they can figure out what you're doing. But because they're running something very unconventional, you look at their team and it's just like, well, I don't know what this thing's going to do. <laughs> that was something that, that I will say was was really interesting. I, I did run into a lot of uncommon restricted Pokemon. Um, so, you, so you know how you can have two in the, in this format from the, the new list. And um, I ran into a lot more Dialga than I'm used to. I ran into a lot more Palkia than I'm used to. And... And, and these ones, I feel like, even back in 2010 formats, the last time we had restricted Pokemon available, like, um, I mean, the the Hoenn Pokemon were were still fairly present. Um, but I always felt like Dialga and Palkia in particular were, were fairly underrated. And and this and this tournament in particular, I, I had a lot of trouble with them a lot a lot more than I thought I would. And in in 2010, Dialga and Palkia were probably like the best two. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember Palkia just being everywhere. Yeah, Palkia was the Pokemon. Yeah, I think the only reason it's not, honestly, is because everybody's still running Geomancy on uh, Xerneas. I mean, beyond beyond the whole being weeks of fairy thing, Palkia brings a lot to the table, resisting the stab of both primals and then having Earth Power for Groudon. And and I mean, it's and the number of elemental moves it can learn and the, the variant you can give it is is so is so interesting and it's. It's also a Pokemon that's kind of hard to nail down because until you actually play it, you don't actually you don't actually know what it's going to do. Because sometimes you see it in Trick Room mode, sometimes you see it running, you know. Sometimes it gets flamethrower. Sometimes it gets, it's sometimes it just do standard spatial run in Draco. Sometimes, um, and it, it just gets it just gets such a variant move pool that it. Um, but this was actually one of the things where I, I feel like, 
Uh, so my top four match, uh, when I was, I was playing this guy named TJ, who's actually a pretty cool dude and one of the few people left in the community that's actually older than I am. And he's, um, he was running Palkia and he, he was using it very well. I mean, he, he had a lot of surprise surprises on his team that, um, I, the first game, the first game, there was a point where he caught me off guard and I basically had to get like three predictions correct in a row to even have a chance of winning the game. And I mean, and I, I did, but the entire time, like I, you know, there, it's one of those games where you can, you can call it predictions all you want. And you, but at the end of the day, like a lot of it just comes down to you're basically making educated guesses. And he, he, he set it up in such a way that I wasn't necessarily playing Pokemon as much as I was just, you know, playing his game in particular. And, and Palkia is really good for that. Um, but the thing is like, what, what made it really interesting was that best of three kind of unraveled that entire mystery. And so game two, game two was a lot different. And, and, and admittedly there was a little bit more hacks in game two, but, um, but that for a lot of reasons, game two was not as close as, as game one was. I mean, um, that's why I like best of three as a format in general. I mean, and, and I think as much as people like to diss on VGC 2016, like the fact that games are so much shorter than 2015, I, I feel like a best of three regional or whatever is actually kind of feasible in this format, honestly. And yeah. I, I think it would be better. I mean... I don't know. Personally, I find more fun playing the cor the mental mind games of, you know, trying to guess what your opponent's going to do and figuring out what strategies they have. And I think that leads itself much more to a best of three format than best of one. Yeah. Is, is this actually any slower or, I mean, faster than the last couple of years? Because the last few years have been kind of fast and I've, I don't know. I feel Look like it's faster. Looking at my notes from the international challenge, I still had most games go like about seven to ten turns. Yeah, that sounds about right. Which is basically how I've been doing the last few years. Also, I mean, our game in particular, Gabby, when when we played in the finals, our our game in particular was it felt faster than it was because things just kept dying so quickly. <laughs> um, but that one was that one was also like really indicative of this, this like best of three nature like we're so used to best of one um and there's there's so in best of one there's so little margin of error um and i and i remember there was one point where where you made a move that like um didn't like i i just couldn't for the life of me figure out like what was like what advantage that would have given you given like what i had on my team and then it occurred to me that you're basically like testing stuff out for game two and, and it di it didn't even occur to me that, that you were doing that until until like i got there and i was like oh okay so she so now she's eliminated these other possibilities and and that was the point where like um when i when i won the staff member like was like was like kind of pestering me a little bit and like just kind of teasing me like like are you sure she didn't just throw the game to you because <laughs> she um for those who don't know gabby's actually like done super well at the last three consecutive packs tournaments and like they all have the same staff so like they've recognized her by now and they um and so like but like i've traditionally done pretty terribly at these um the last one they also had like a dark void ban at the last second and I, and so i i saw my team up for the last second it just didn't go well at all and i like i was trying to do like a clefairy minimize and then like kangaskhan thing and it, it just like why <laughs> Why? Because Chalky's a horrible person. 
<laughs> I made a lot of people angry. I didn't do well, though. <laughs> I mean, the last I'm time shocked. I saw somebody try and pull that off at a PAX, it just didn't end well anyway. So I, I think the play for PAX is just don't rely on hacks teams. <laughs> That's kind of the play for everyone. Um, I don't know. Those... <laughs> Rolling the RNG is kind of fun sometimes. If you start talking about minimized Snorlax, I'm going to hang up on this call. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, speaking of back. hanging up on this call, we're going to have to restart this a second to get Paul back in here because internet died. All right, so we're back. So anything else you guys want to talk about for as far as PAX is concerned? Um, Yeah, I mean, just like some footnotes and just heads up for anybody who's listening. Um, I was speaking to the guy who organized the tournament for a while while they were figuring out pairing stuff. And uh, he mentioned that they're gonna they want to try and have a RBY classic tournament on the virtual yes. console games for East and for Prime. So if anybody out there is planning on going to those, you should keep an eye out on the schedule. Um, they're, they're pretty fun tournaments. Um, you get a cool medal if you get top three. Um, if you, if you just want to play for fun, it is single elimination. So it's not like you're booking up a lot of your time if you lose. So definitely worth checking out. Although keep in mind with RBY in particular, that there's no auto leveling. So, and they didn't tell, they didn't say anything about what levels they want the teams to be. So you're, you're kind of taking a shot in the dark if you're trying to actively prepare for this, but. So, does anyone know if the glitches still work on the virtual console? Release? I hope so. Please. I hope so. Please. I, I have a feeling they will. Give like, me missing, oh though. That's all I, mean, I want. That's all they, I they've want. They've talked about, they've talked about, like, the original preview that they gave at the Nintendo Direct thing said they tried to keep it as close to the originals as possible so you could keep the same experience. And, like, I, I just immediately took that and ran with it and assumed that they're, they're keeping the glitches and... And I'm pretty excited about that just because there's there's so many glitches that I'm I figured out like way after I was an adult and I just kinda wanna go back and see them. Like there's like there's that one where you can get a level one hundred Gengar in the Viridian Forest. Um <laughs> I kinda wanna do that like right away. I just But I mean you could do link battles with level two hundred and fifty five Pokemon. <laughs> I, I just want missing though. Like I, I'm not gonna lie, like Missingno is the reason why I became a computer programmer. Like if they if they program that out, I'm just gonna crawl into a corner and cry for like the rest of eternity. Not not or you could literally. Just program it in. I, I don't. I'm not that mad of a hacker. I do miss all my item slots having flowers next to them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, if they if they start doing RBY virtual console tournaments, it's gonna be a royal pain without without missing though because. Every TM, because that was back when TMs you could could only be used once. Yep. Oh and boy. So, so you'd either have to like repeatedly restart the game and have two copies at all times, or missing no has to exist. Yeah. One of the two, or or you just have a really really tailored <laughs> virtual console team and just hope to God it works. Yeah, and they've already confirmed that you won't be able to save state either. So. <laughs> that that made me <laughs> I mean I completely sympathize with why they did that but I I instantly was like oh, oh man I was gonna just make a bunch of perfects and then just share the wealth I mean you don't need a save state if uh, you have missing now right that's true true I wonder if the Safari Zone glitch is gonna work cause that's like the only reason I caught a, uh, a Chansey ever 
<laughs> I mean, presumably, if missing those there, then the Safari Zone glitch works too, because that's because that's because that's basically how it worked. Like it was a whole like the encounter slot was different from. No, it was data. just that the the tile that represents like the transition between the water and the land had no encounter, so it just inherited from whatever encounter slot you were in last. Right, yeah. and and both missing no and the safari zone can be like the previous encounter. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah, please. I'm not a programmer or anything, so I can't speak to like how difficult it would be for them to. Like, stay loyal to the games, but remove those glitches like Missing No and all those other weird things that exist in RBY. Like, I, I think most of the virtual console games, they stay pretty loyal to the previous game. It's only when they do stuff like Majora's Mask 3D and stuff where they do, like, certain updates. So, I don't well, know. I mean, they're adding wireless Yeah, that's the thing. Is, like, they're stuff, adding that. So. so, I don't know how deep they're going into the games. I do remember when they when they first announced it, there was someone, I, I think it was Serebii, that, that gave, like, the size of the game, which was, like, a really arbitrary piece of information to hold on to. Like, like most people would never need to know that, but I was looking at it, and then I looked up the the size of the original game, and it was noticeably bigger. And I, and I can't help but wonder how much of that is just the wireless, and, like, I mean... how much of that is, like, just they can't adapt it right, or if they actually, like actively tried to fix glitches and, and, like, added more data consequently or something. I mean, so this is just pure speculation based off of how I understand other, like, app kind of ecosystems work. Um, there's probably a good portion of the size that's dedicated to the actual stuff that emulates, like, the Game Boy Color. So, like, the actual yeah. virtual console, like, console, if you will. Um, and then there's probably also like, you know, the new wireless SDK and I don't know, whatever other SDKs if they're going to put in there. Um, and then I remember too, that there was, um, I think in Japan, if you pre-order the game or something, you get that like mu code. So they probably had to add like some sort of code redemption thing into it too. But like, this is going super off topic from VGC. <laughs> and it's also just pure speculation. So I mean, I think RBY will be present at Nationals as like a side. Panel. I hope. I sincerely hope so. I really. I'm, hope I, so. I think it's Me a guarantee too. at this point. Well, so will Pokin, right? Yeah. Or Pokin? Yeah. I. Well, I mean, yeah. we don't have much information on it, but I imagine that'll be there as well. Didn't they say as much already? It's they. They. I'm, I think they've I'm, only mentioned Evo. And I'm pretty sure that was like in the Nationals announcement. Yeah, I think. It, they, I think they mentioned it just. Nothing specific if it was, like, a side tournament or it's probably pretty likely going to feed directly into Worlds. Yeah, it. I almost got the impression that, like, they're doing what they did back in the early days of VGC with Pockin, where they just have, like, one or two qualifying tournaments and then they just, you know, invite other people to come play in the World Championships like they did last oh, year. Oh, Paul. Paul, remember Showdown 08? Yeah, with, like, I think... The t- Oh, I think I think it will be kind of like that. Just like a couple small tournaments that feed directly into worlds. For for, for fans that are not a thousand years old, in two thousand eight, they there was no there there wasn't like the regionals, nationals, worlds. It was basically two worlds qualifiers, one in New York and one in California, and it it was so arbitrary the way you, like there was like an, an online prelim, and then if you got past it, they're like. They had like way more people than they were supposed to for the online prelim, and so like you got put into a random drawing, and 
if you were selected out of all those people, you would be allowed to compete in that day. But like they didn't like cover anything in terms of like getting you out there. So you just it was just like, oh, you you you're on a little list. So if you if you fly out here, you can play. And then there were like a couple people that um, tried to come in the day of just for like a chance of the random drawing because that you know that was just the only way to qualify for worlds and um i think i think you had to be yeah you had to be in the top eight to get to get into worlds for either of them <laughs> yeah no um, one remembers that you had to take a test online just to play in regionals just like, to have a just have a chance it was yeah. a stupid test too wasn't it like what does this berry do or like what yeah, color was... is snorlax yeah, what typing is what they yeah. they said like what color? Because I, I don't think it was that's that discriminatory. <laughs> I think it was Me mostly other related to like people. typing and moves and things like that. But okay. yeah, it was just like basic knowledge, but like anyone could pass it. Okay, so it wasn't like a picture of a purplish Arceus no. asking what type is this? <laughs> is it ghost or is it poison? <laughs> it's I don't not a know. picture of a circle. It's the and cursed type. You pretend it's a Pokeball and it's actually a uh, Jigglypuff up on the top. No, it's a Voltorb. You're all wrong. <laughs> I don't care what the stupid quiz says. <laughs> it's a Sfeel. It's always a Walrus. That didn't exist back then. It, it so... was in my heart. <laughs> Alright, so... I have no good segue here. Out with the old, in with the new. I don't. I don't know if "in with the new" is the right way to phrase this, but sponsorships. They're new. Like no one new in the us. Pokemon community was sponsored in 2008. There are many, many good reasons for that. <laughs> 2008 was kind of a bad year to sponsor people. Yeah, it was kind of a bad year for Pokemon. Um, well, is is this year actually any better? No. We have Disney regionals now. I mean, I mean that's like. Huge. Though I guess in 2008 we had Disney World, so... <laughs> Disney Worlds. Yeah, I went to Disney World for that Worlds, so... I did too! It was really good. So, anyway, Paul, you wrote a blog about the sponsorships, which is up on Nugget Bridge now. Uh, do you want to give us a quick little overview of what that was about? Uh, Yeah, basically I've been seeing a lot of people just pick up sponsorships, just willy-nilly, from organizations i've honestly never heard of and yeah that's, I, that's not that's not so much a bad thing like that could be good like i'm not in tune with every single you know organization out there but a lot of them just i think they're taking advantage of people potentially and that's not good for those people or pokemon and it's it's just i want people to be educated and make their own decisions and not just get a sponsorship just because it's a sponsorship. Like, I remember when I wanted a sponsorship, I was like, this will make me a better player and everyone will respect me. I think that's wrong. I don't think... <laughs> just because, really? Yeah, just because you're a you're sponsored player, it may mean you're, more, you're just marketable. It doesn't make you a better player. It doesn't make yeah. people respect you more. It's just a tag next to your name. And I think a lot of these organizations are potentially taking advantage of these people that are signing potentially, you know, really bad contracts. And I, it's, I just want people educated and to understand what they're getting into. It's not always, you know, the best thing in the world to get a sponsorship, especially if it's, you know, detrimental to 
Actually playing Pokemon. So, like, I okay, so let's just pretend that, you know, I get a sponsorship offer from, I don't know, XXX, Call of Duty is cool, 25, Halo Rocks, 17, XXX team. Like, what, what steps should I take to make sure that I am not, you know, making a huge mistake? I, the very first thing I start off with is see a lawyer. Like, these are contracts that change your life. And you need to have someone who knows what these contracts say to actually look at it. Like, it's going to cost you money. But it's going to be money well spent if, you know... If you get locked into a bad contract, you're locked into that contract unless you can figure a way to like mutually terminate it. But it's just a lawyer is going to know what this contract does and he's going to tell you, this is actually a bad idea, Gabby. You shouldn't sign this. You're not making any money and they're taking all your money that you win. So I would stay away from this contract or this is this is an average contract and you know it, I don't have any problems with you signing it like you might get something out of it like it can go both ways and a lawyer would easily be able to tell you you know what to do with that contract and we have lawyers in the pokemon community yeah there's there's plenty like i've had a couple lawyers in the pokemon community look at contracts that i've been given from you know other other organizations and stuff like when i was just around when uh cybertron got sponsored I was looking into other organizations and I got a couple of contracts from them and I had a lawyer look at them just to, you know, educate myself and say, you know, what, what is this? Is it good? Is it bad? And I actually learned a lot from them and they're Pokemon players just like you and me. And they told me a lot about just the contracts and it, it was very beneficial. So this is something I'm a little bit confused about because I think it really kind of shines a different light on what's going on. Are are these people who are getting these bad contracts, are they reaching out to these organizations to be sponsored? Or are these organizations just like literally fishing through the community trying to make a quick buck? I think it's both. I think there's a group. I mean, not every contract is bad. So like maybe these people are actually getting good contracts. But I think players are seeking out organizations. I've I've seen that firsthand. Uh, a couple players have told me, yeah, I directly went to so-and-so organization and we talked about, you know, getting a deal and they signed me up. And I think it's also going the other way where the organizations are looking to benefit off of players. You know, Pokemon is growing and a lot of people are interested in Pokemon. And so these organizations are looking for people that have potential, I guess, to make them money in the future. Like it's just an investment right now for them. And Maybe in the future that investment will pan out and they'll make money, but uh, personally I don't see much money coming into Pokemon yet, so we'll see what happens there. So then um, another question for you. If, like, if someone were to go out and like, you know, seek out a contract and seek out a sponsorship, like, what kind of things should they be asking for? Should they just be asking for advertisement in return? Should they be asking for, like, I want you to pay for my trips? Like... I, the dream is to have someone pay for your trips, right? Yeah. So, um, in your contract, just make sure it has like if if you're gonna get money from them, make sure it clearly says how much you're getting and when you're getting it. Like, they're gonna pay you in the future when they have money is not a good sign. Like, 
they could potentially have plenty of money to pay you, but because it says, we'll pay you when we can, they probably will never pay you if they don't want to. Like, you just, it's the dream of everyone to get free trips, but not everyone has them to give away. It's, my big question is, what are the sponsors getting out of, like, just sponsoring a player instead of someone who does Let's Plays on Twitch and has thousands of followers that way? I, it's, it's, it's a little different. Like, if you're doing Let's Plays and stuff, it's, it's an advertising route. Like, yeah, you you've got a bigger audience. Yeah, I think with with Pokemon sponsoring an individual player, it's kind of the same thing, but it's it's just different. Like, if you sponsor a player and they win worlds, they're probably going to get like interviews and stuff from like you know websites like Kotaku and Polygon, etc. Like, those people are interested in someone who won worlds, and you're going to help get your sponsor's name out if you do win worlds. So like. Through that, the, you know, at more advertising, and it's just it's just a different avenue to advertise, basically. It's it's a new pool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it. It just seems like a much riskier one from a yeah, which is why I think standpoint. the companies aren't putting as much money into the players, in the hopes that you know we're putting in so and so a really low amount compared to a safer investment. It's an angel investment. They're hoping that you know this this little amount of money will become something much bigger in the future. So, you know, they could probably get away with not paying certain players because those players aren't getting anything anyways. But, you know, if if that player does win Worlds, they suddenly have a giant bank of money right there. I just... I, And I mean, I think I just don't understand this about esports in general. Like... I get that big teams, especially associated with, like, StarCraft or Hearthstone or League of Legends, like, CLG, I think, is one. Um, I don't know. I I honestly don't watch, like, League esports. Um, Like, I can understand the value there because, you know, there's, like, marketing deals where, like, they sell the jerseys and the chairs and whatnot. But, like, I keep seeing these teams that, quite frankly, I've never heard of, like, acquiring these Pokemon players, and it's like, okay, you know, I I get it, you started out in, like, you know, a first-person shooter game, and now you're expanding, but, like, you you can't wear a jersey to your tournaments because it's, like, some guy pointing a gun at whoever's looking at the shirt. Like, I I just, it, it seems like a very weird business decision. And but I guess I'm not really an esports business person, so maybe I just don't know how all this works. Well, I think like the gun thing stuff is just the organizer being ignorant of Pokemon branding, and you know Pokemon has an image to uphold. So I mean that's just on that organization, potentially the players for you know selling them something that they can't actually do, but like. I think it's they're fine like I don't know actually <laughs> like I I don't want to say bad things about certain sponsors but fair yeah enough. yeah like I and and like yeah I'm, I'm trying to keep this as anonymous as possible too because like I, I I just don't understand it as a concept I guess like I remember back in the day where like everybody would just wear t-shirts from like Scarmless or you know magma or wherever um 
just as kind of like a joke thing and like you know, the ducks the ducks, ducks. Yeah. can't forget so the ducks and they had like the quacker things like that was great <laughs> like i i guess i keep expecting this to be more like that but it's not because there's money involved <laughs> yeah I mean, one thing that kind of resonated from what paul was saying like i, I remember when Aaron Zhang first got sponsored, he he wore the shirt from his sponsor like everywhere, like it like it was at every tournament he was he was going to, and I was thinking like even if and like even if um, they're doing all these let's play sponsorships and all these things, like and even if even if Aaron never actually won anything, he was still at the tournament and he was still like somebody p- people in the community respected, and people were going to see him wearing that shirt and he's going to be like oh hey like. And like they would associate this person they respect with, with this brand, and and it's having that as, and like that adds a, a whole new avenue compared to the let's plays because like you know, I, I think in a lot of ways the people that follow those let's plays are not necessarily going to always be the same people as the people that are like in the hardcore competitive community, and so it it really is just like another avenue. It's just a. Um, yeah, when you're advertising, like you want to advertise to as many different people as you can, and a lot of these organizations are just advertisement firms, I guess. Like they get sponsorship deals with, you know, keyboard manufacturers, mouse manufacturers, things like that. And then through the players, those, you know, keyboard manufacturers get additional advertisement. It's just it's just advertisement. Esports is advertisement. That's all it is right now. That See, that mm. makes a lot more sense now. Because, like, I I can see all of these, like, smaller esports teams just kind of sprouting up to be just, you know, other ways to basically market the same product. Like, that makes sense. So... Yeah, like, even even Riot's LCS is just advertisement for League of Legends. That's literally all okay. it is. Like, esports is just advertisement. Like, I hate to yeah. say it, but... It's literally just advertisement. Well, yeah. Isn't pretty normal much... sports kind of like that too, though? I mean, there's yeah, more of a sports. physical <laughs> component yeah. to it, but... I mean, there's a lot of... Like, the Super Bowl is coming up, and there's a lot of advertisement money in that because people are watching. Like, mm-hmm. people enjoy this, the games. Like, I enjoy Pokemon. People enjoy football. But in the back, there's just... There's advertising dollars there. Yeah, it's the official tablet of the NFL or the official like sport truck. It's like I, yeah, that... I, that's I'm going way off topic. That's capitalist society <laughs> at work right there. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> they want people buying products and they have to sell you those products through advertising. Yeah, it's I keep thinking of, and I don't know if this is appropriate to talk about on this podcast, but butts. Like, wait, what were we talking about? Um, what we were talking about was regionals. <laughs> yes. Coming up in, like, a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, I think the next next episode of the show will probably be recorded at a regional. So, yeah, what, what regionals are you guys going to? Disney and Disney. <laughs> okay. Good answer. I'll say the same. I'm going to Disneyland, Anaheim. Um, probably not playing. I'll either staff or commentate okay i i'm also going to the anaheim one and i will be at oregon as well um so what are you guys expecting to see there 
I mean... A lot of Smeargle? Yeah, I was joking with Chalky that um, I might actually end up commentating for Florida Regionals because it's kind of Smeargle country down there. And that was long before this meta, too. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, what what percentage of teams do you guys think are going to be running in Smeargle? Florida? Literally ninety five percent. Okay, that's <laughs> going to guess. That is a high. That's a high. I don't care. It's going to be ninety five percent exactly. Although, what I will notice, what I have noticed, like the last, like, recent phase of social media, like the, um, after Zach posted that that blog post saying like just how broken and unfixable dark void is in this meta um chris brown actually replied to in the comment section saying like we're going to be watching the statistics for dark boy and like and check out in particular who makes top eight for each regional and we'll we'll make a decision based on that and a lot of people in like just like little facebook groups um some of which are open some are closed they've been spamming that article and they've been spamming that specific comment and saying like if there was ever a time to use dark void, use it now because then we'll never have to see it again. And so like, there's actually so, a significant, so the argument is use it to lose it. Yes. Basically. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the argument, the argument is that if we oversaturate this particular one with, with smear gold, then they'll finally understand why this is so broken. And, um, and a lot of, and I, th- I think the argument is that if we oversaturate the meta with smear gold, then Zach's arguments about, how this is so out of the player's control are going to come to light. And like, you're going to see this in the tangible numbers, like the um, players who normally do well are, are not going to do as well. And players who normally are inconsistent might actually get a little bit higher. And they think um, we're going to see Smeargle winning the tournament more than like notable players. <laughs> um, that That's what, they, that's what they're trying to allege. Basically. I, I'm, but if the notable players are using Smeargle, doesn't that just kind of invalidate all of it? I mean, the... It's just going to turn everything into a giant RNG fun time thing. The the basic... the Yeah, the, the point is, like, there's a lot of people who are trying to get as many people as possible to run Smeargle just to make a point. Yeah. That just seems like it's going to be super easy to counter then... And so everybody with a solid <laughs> Miracle matchup is just going to demolish all those regional. Well, I mean, part of the thing is like, and I, and I realize I keep referencing Zach's article, like I, um, but one of the things he mentioned was that it, there's, it, it's difficult to actually counter Smeargle while also having counters for everything else in the meta because you, That's like not true. But if you're devoting, if you're devoting one item you slot. You don't have to devote. No, you don't. You're, that is a bad way to beat Smeargle. Okay, You're not gonna Doc, have... how should we beat Smeargle? Let's just let well, him get it out of his system so we can continue this conversation. The same way you beat anything that has a base speed lower than 80. You just murder the thing. Okay, now that we've gotten that just... out of the way. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the thing that nobody in this country has thought of yet. Just murder the thing. <laughs> Apparently not, because they're all just complaining about not having a spot for a lumberry. Like, that's going to help. But Lumberry it's not, helped it's, in 2009 and 2008. It's it's not just about Lum, though. Like, like take Thunderous, for example. Like, t- Thunderous was a great Smeargle counter because it was a prankster it taunt. It still is. It was a prankster taunt, so it didn't matter whether it was scarfed or sashed. But, like, in this meta, Thunderous is, is such a liability because, like, everything is just so much more powerful. And so, like, the bulk it had in 2011 is no longer there. The And, like, the novelty it had in 
2015 is is not quite there either and so it's and and those arguments don't apply to smeargle because smeargle because was bulky Smear no, Smeargle that's exactly what I'm saying. Smeargle was never bulky, it never even had prankster. It's it's not about Smeargle I think being the, bulky. The thing the thing is is Smeargle is a non restricted Pokemon and a non restricted Pokemon that's sort of like it's a soft taunt. Like you have to kill it or it'll you know, screw you up. And if if it's next to a Xerneas, you also have to, you know, take that thing out as well. And it just compounds to the fact that, you know, this non-restricted Pokemon being paired with restricted Pokemon, suddenly the non-restricted Pokemon is a bigger threat for some reason. And I think it, that's... It's not, though, because all it can do is put you to sleep. Like, it can't actually hurt but you. But, like, so I, I actually have a relevant story to, to this from PAX. So, like, for the semifinals, I played uh, Soldews, who's a really fun and awesome trainer from Texas and very good player. She's amazing. Very good player. So the team she brought to the tournament prior to them announcing Dark Void was banned was essentially just five Pokemon that can just destroy your team and Smeargle. The idea being that you had to choose between whether or not you wanted to get your butt kicked or you if you wanted to deal with Dark Void. But when Dark Void was taken away, like her whole team just fell apart. Like, I, I think the problem is, is that, like, it's just it's just one of those things where you have to pick. Do I deal with the Dark Void or do I deal with the thing that's going to, you know, destroy me and leave me crying on the floor? And, and that's a thing with all matchups, though. Like, if somebody has both Kyogre and Groudon, do you want to focus super heavy on the rain matchup? Or maybe they won't even take that because they're focusing on Sun. But the number of resources, what? like the resources you allocate to countering Smeargle, just die to to the primals that's, and to Xerneas. That's only if you're building poorly. Like you are focusing way too hard on I need Smeargle gone immediately. There's there's a thousand different ways to play Smeargle, and most of them do not hurt your matchups that badly. I I, I agree with both ways. Like Smeargle can be taken care of, but. I don't think a non-restricted Pokemon should have all that power. Like, it's... Well, what about Kangaskhan? Like, Kangaskhan is kind of in the same boat, but Kangaskhan isn't, like, an RNG, you know, machine. It's not spinning it... the roulette every time that it comes out. No, it'll actually mess you up. Yeah, it... It's it, the problem. It, it, it takes up a Mega, and it does tons of damage. You know what to expect out of that, but... With Smeargle, yeah, Smeargle, you're you know you're pulling the slot machine handle, and you know what you're gonna get. You're either gonna both fall asleep, or one falls asleep. This doesn't, and it's just so. It's and it's then a you factor Moody into the situation too. Yeah, and then it, yeah, Moody like it's just a ton of gamble just thrown all into one Pokemon, so, and it's non restricted, non mega, so it can just fit into any team you throw it on. So it's more of the fact it sounds like that. Um, the people who are on the side of the ban Smeargle, ban Dark Void argument are basically saying that they don't want to basically lose their ability to play the game. Because if you're, if you're playing something that is basically just rolling the dice 20 times, like, there's nothing you can do to affect that outcome. The dice are going to roll, a number's going to pop up, and you're going to have to deal with it. Whereas if you're facing something like Kangaskhan, which is arguably equally as centralizing to the metagame, um... 
At least it was in 2015. Like I played twice as many Kangaskhan in the International Challenge as I played Smeargle. Like, but but Kangaskhan, you can still fight it, right? It's not like you see a Kangaskhan and then you just have to sit there waiting for your Pokemon to wake up. Like, there's still a, a form of interacting and playing the game at that level. Yeah, with there's, there's with some... Kangaskhan, with Kangaskhan, you you either have the counters or you don't. With Smeargle, it doesn't matter whether you have the counters or not. It just, to a certain extent. you're just like, rolling dice. Um, and like, and I'm, I'm, and this is coming from someone who uses a lot of Dark Void in past formats. And I, I love Dark Void. And I, like, I've probably used it again. It's all of you at least once. But there's, um, but, but this, um, this particular format, like, even I'm going to admit, like, there, it's, it, it's different. And then, like, I want to go back to something Paul actually said a second ago, because, I notice a lot of people are saying either ban Dark Void or just ignore it. Um, and you were calling it, you were referring to it specifically, Paul, as an unrestricted Pokemon. Like, would you, would you see the solution um, better allocated as like a compromise of actually just making it a restricted Pokemon rather than banning it altogether? I, that would, I think that could potentially work because suddenly, you know, your Smeargle isn't paired with, a Xerneas and a Groudon, and Mega Kangaskhan. Now it's Xerneas, Smeargle, Kangaskhan, and, you know, throw on a Landorus. Like, I think that's more manageable to take, you know, deal with. You're not dealing with three offensive powerhouses in Kangaskhan, Groudon, Xerneas. Instead, you know, you're dealing with a little trickster Pokemon and a couple powerhouses. I I also really like that idea. I, I I don't think it'll happen, but I like it. It seems like a better compromise than like trying to please all of the people who want to ban and all the people who don't care. Yeah. Like it seems like that would be kind of meeting in the middle ground and like actually doing something. Yeah, I I like that idea because it I mean, it still leaves Pokémon as like Pokémon in the sense that you can still play this RNG game if you want to, but it's just, it, it just feels like it's more balanced. And I, I will admit I'm losing my ability to articulate at this point. So yeah. I, I, Pokemon in general has always just been a luck fest. I think there's been like two years where like significant luck factors weren't involved. Like it's either been rock slide swagger. So much swagger. Yeah. Dark void. Like, we're kind of like in the the swagger zone now. Like someone started using swagger and then everyone was using swagger. And now it's like everyone's using dark void because it's so strong. And yeah, I think this time last year was when, uh, sun teams with chlorophyll, sleep powder, Venusaur got super popular. And that was annoying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of Pokemon, but I think like the Smeargle dark void stuff is just, it just seems like it's on another level right now compared to things like Rock Slide and Swagger in the past. And and from a like just growth of the game standpoint, like even taking out the consideration that it's annoying to play against. I mean, we are currently trying to get ourselves respect as an esport. We're currently trying to get ourselves <laughs> like taken seriously as a competitive video. Okay, game. I, th- this is this is the part where I just mute your mic and. We move on to the next can, topic. Can we somehow edit in an image of like from Arrested Development where it's the magicians and they're holding like the "We Demand to Be Taken Seriously" sign? <laughs> yes. 
Uh, all right, questions. Uh, <laughs> all right, I've got two here from Tony. How, how do you pronounce his name? Wiseau. Okay, number one. Are there any megas that were unviable in 2015 that you feel have the potential in the, or that you feel have potential in this format? I mean, the obvious cop out answer is like Mega Mewtwo and Mega Rayquaza. <laughs> 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 You had that one match you were playing at PAX that kind of relates to this question, right? Against the world's guy? I mean, that... Oh, my God. That... Okay, I I regret that I did not get this guy's name. Um, there are so many good players in Texas that I, I wish I knew before I moved here because I, I would have a much better time identifying them and getting to know them. But there, there was this one guy who... Um, like, he, he wasn't out there to win. He was my top eight match. And I, but for against all odds, he got ridiculously far um, without using any of the restricted Pokemon. And I, I was blown away. I just like, um, he, he had a lot of, he, he had a lot of Pokemon that I would not identify as, as viable in this game, as metagame, but like the, and like, I, maybe it was just the absence of dark void. Maybe it was the absence of, or like just like the randomness of, the, of the different crowd and the, and the, the meta shift for that particular day. But like, he was he was cleaning up. Um, he he was using um, he's using a, a double mega team with Mega Manetric and Mega Sableye, which which sound I, I can't do it justice, and I cannot possibly do it justice to explain like. But the gist of it was like there like all the EV spreads were weird, um, the move spreads were weird, and I was and it was it was a recurring frustration for me. But um, although I did actually have an answer for this question that. Um, I did actually have a, an answer for this question that it was not just <laughs> bringing back the conversation of PAX again. Um, I mean, the first thing that came to mind when I, I was reading the the questions people were giving us for this episode, uh, Mega Gengar actually jumped out at me as something that I think is a little underrated right now. I mean, it's 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 kind of frail, but the I, because so much of the the game is tailored around Weather Wars right now. Having something that, that traps is is really huge. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop you there because that was totally viable before. <laughs> and it actually did have some pretty decent placings. I also was thinking about Mega Caesar, which I did not see all that often. But No, that's, that's true. Um, Mega Steel type with priority moves is is pretty great. And, and this I've, I've seen this pop up every now and a while, and it's... It's hard to use well because the the stat jumps it gets are um, maybe not useful. Yeah, it, it's it's not as weird. As, you, you do more damage with Life Orb than with the Mega. Star. Yeah, actually, Mewtwo's like, the same in that regard. That you you do more with Life Orb than you yeah. do with the Mega. Except Scizor, you gain bulk, and with Mewtwo, you lose. <laughs> yeah, dropping defense was was a, a weird thing to give Mewtwo. Although adding that ridiculous power is. And uh, and speed is that like the the huge jump in speed is probably Mewtwo Y's biggest thing that and Insomnia of course but let, let me one up you with a different Steel Mega and say Metagross like I think people should be using that I I agree with you but they that's another thing that was more than viable before this year I loved right. Mega Metagross I want people to use Mega Metagross like it's it's been so f- so long since like Metagross has been used, like it just hasn't been able to been used since 2013. And I think Meta Metagross like has a place in this meta game. 
I, oh, yeah. and, I would love to find a place for Mega Metagross in this metagame. Like, I, I keep wanting to do something with Kyogre in it, but I just, I haven't had a chance to sit down and figure it out quite yet. I mean, both Gabby and I were really heavy on Mega Metagross in the last meta. I mean, I ran it, I ran it Spring Regionals through Worlds, actually, and it worked. Yeah, I, I gave it to three people for Spring Regionals last year and used it myself, and everybody top cut but me. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works, usually. Yeah. yeah. I think Hound Doom is also something that can be used. So t- tell me I, more about Hound Doom. Well, it has solar power, and yeah. that's, like, pretty awesome. And it, it, it's dark, which kind of sucks, but it's also kind of good. It's, like, and then the fire typing is good as well. Like, I think Randy was using it at one point this season, and I, it's it's going to hit, like, a truck. I hate to use that, but it's going to hit, yeah. like, a truck. But it's super frail. It's just... A different mega. I don't think people are going to use it, but I think it's something that can be used. I I would very much like to use that again. My first top cut ever was with a Houndoom team, but it wasn't mega then. That was before megas were even a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I distinctly remember that top so cut. So was my last top cut. <laughs> no, wait, Arctic. That was also before megas. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It, it was... It was my first two regionals. Yeah. Anyway, back on topic. I I think it actually might be okay for Mega Garchomp right now. Um, just because even when it Megas and it gets that speed drop, it's still faster than the Primals. And that it's got an okay typing. Like, it's still got to kind of watch out for Rayquaza and obviously Xerneas. But turn one, it's already faster than Xerneas if it doesn't Mega. And that 170 base power firing off earthquakes. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I would watch out for, you know, Kyogre Ice Beam and Rayquaza Draco. I mean, although it would probably do really well against Groudon. So if you, if you had some support yeah. to just, like, block all the other it, stuff. It's like, not a plug-and-play mega like Kangaskhan. Yeah. No. You, you, you would need team players with it. It's either something with redirection to... Redirect ice beams and dragon moves, or like um, something. The other thing I've been playing around with, and I think I may have played around with this in a, another format, but it's having Sableye as a second option for a mega. I like because, that as well. Because if you don't mega, you still have Prankster and can do what Sableye does. And then if you do mega, you get a ton of bulk and magic bounce, which is. Wasn't you know, that kind of fun? Wasn't that on somebody's team last year for Spring Regionals, like a double mega Amelia, with Sableye? Amel- Amelia Zoldi, she was, she got to top four in Massachusetts, which was a really hard regional. Um, yeah, she she did amazing. She got uh, it was a Mega Gardevoir and Mega Sableye team, if I remember correctly. It was like Hitmontop, Zapdos, something along those lines. Yeah, Hitmontop. It was. It it was a team, like I I got utterly decimated by it in a premier challenge a couple a couple weeks earlier and and like I would explain the the monster people and they'd be like really but then like I was like no you don't understand <laughs> and then come Massachusetts they understood. All right, next question. 
What are the best cores for players who want to win without relying on weather wars? Um, I think right now it would just be press the Groudon Xerneas button because there's no weather war if you're running the same weather. But <laughs> I don't think that's a reliable I... thing to rely on. I ran into more Kyogres than Groudons in the International Challenge. I think if you want to avoid weather is use Trick Room. Yeah. Yeah. Or non-Mega Rayquaza. Or that. Yeah. I mean, it's partially a or... weather war, but... Yeah, like, Trick Room just completely skips over weather. Like, you still need a way to, to deal with weather. Like, I, you can't ignore weather. I've seen a lot of Trick Room teams that have weather. Yeah, like, it's still there, but... Because it's Trick Room, you're not really fighting a weather war, I guess? I mean... I don't know. If if your opponent has a good Trick Room counter, then I would argue it becomes... It's still going to become a weather war. Like, I I have a feeling that this metagame, because Groudon and Kyogre are such huge players, like, I, I feel like this is just going to be the year of weather wars. I mean, going back to before, Palkia is also worth mentioning here just because it does resist both primals and so you can kind of it you, you keep saying that but it does not resist ground i mean <laughs> but like the fire sweep and that's really bug yeah but i mean poke doesn't care about ground because it can earth power back and yeah. if they're not eving for it it'll still like it has a good chance of okoing you have to like does it you have to actually you have to actually like you you have to actually EV for it. Like if you if you do nothing but like two fifty two HP, two fifty two special attack or whatever, or like two fifty two HP or two fifty two special attack and two fifty two speed, like it's gonna it's gonna get knocked out. You have to actually invest in special defense to make it work. Like you have to actually actively do this. I think Ho um, is kind of the same thing. Like I'm, it's I'm super looking bulky. at this calc right now, and Earth Power from a two fifty two Palkia to a zero zero mega or primal groudon does seventy to eighty four percent. That's weird. Or should it be a modest Palkia? Is that what I'm missing? No, modest max ninety two percent. All right. Well, I'll yield to the calculator. Yeah, that I was gonna say there is no way that is that is working if like groudon earth powers barely barely KO. Anyway. Yeah, I think you just need a way to deal with weather. Like, you don't necessarily need to get in a war over it, but you need to deal with weather. Yeah, the good thing about the primal abilities is that the weather disappears as soon as they do. So it's not like years past where if you knocked out the weather setter, they still got to enjoy that weather for a couple more turns, which actually makes it harder to run chlorophyll and Swiss swim Yeah, like, I don't think that stuff really exists, so you're just fighting Kyogre and Groudon mostly. Yeah. Alright, next question we have from Smith. Don't forget the underscore. Underscore, underscore, underscore. underscore. Attendance numbers are dropping and top players are losing their enthusiasm. Is VGC dying? If so, what can the player base and TPCI do to resurrect it? I don't think he knows what he's talking about. (laughs) This does kind of contradict what we were talking about earlier. I mean, it's Smith, so he never really knows what he's talking about. I don't whoa, know. Whoa, that that whoa, one conversation whoa. when we were talking about, like, what sandwiches would the primals be? Oh, yeah. He knew what he was talking about there. Oh, yeah. Uh, apparently, the primals could understand language and were able to learn that up, no problem. But they couldn't understand what bread was. 
that was yeah i flawless logic there just fantastic <laughs> i mean so i i think what we're seeing honestly is a beginning of and maybe it's more not even a beginning maybe it's more of a continuation of this like paradigm shift like pokemon events used to be like you know a few times a year everybody would go to the same one they'd be huge because you know they'd only happen on like one place on the east coast and then somewhere in the middle of the country and then one place on the west coast and now we're seeing everything kind of break up and move towards these smaller events that are run by the staff. Um, it's, I can see why you might think attendance numbers are dropping, especially since I think there was just a lot of like bad timing or schedule conflicts for the fall regionals. But like, I, I think what we're going to start seeing is, you know, events that are held in places like Disney or in places like Disney will kind of draw, you know, more attendance than places that are holding regionals in, like, a barn. Just because (laughs) if you're going to be paying the money to travel anyways, why not pay the money to go somewhere that also has, like, Disney? I mean, I keep realizing every time you say Disney, you're talking about a different place. I I know, and I'm going to keep doing it. (laughs) I mean, there's... I mean, I, I haven't actually looked at the numbers to, to know whether this is true or not, so I, I don't want to bash Smith, and I don't... He, he also filed this up later saying that he made that up. Um, he, he has no data to back up his claim. I mean, one thing that might also skew the numbers if they do, if they are actually decreasing, though, is that we're getting, like, each progressive year since, like, 2012, I want to say, we've had collectively more regionals than the previous year, which is which is great. Um, but it also means we can disperse between fewer, between different ones a little bit more. And like, like I remember 2012 was the first time they had fall regionals to begin with. Like, because yeah. back in 2011, like it was all nothing but spring regionals, and then use those to qualify for nationals, and use that to qualify for worlds. And and like I remember the numbers, the numbers for the 2011 regionals compared to like the first fall 2012 regionals, they they were nothing. And like. Like I, I think we went to a, re- a regional in Rhode Island that had like sixty something people. It was we, whatever the number was, it was like six rounds of Swiss, I and, it, and that, that was it. Um, it was it was something absurd, and that was and like at the time, they weren't even justifying top cut with that. They basically just had they just they called it at that, and then it was just over. Um, yeah, Florida between twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen went like three times the size. And that's because Florida is just one of those regionals that it's run decently enough um, and it has a good location. Like, I I feel like, and maybe this is just my perspective because I've entered a point in my life where I'm not just road tripping to the closest regional and I actually can, you know, pick and choose where I want to travel to. But, like, I, I don't think people are going to want to go to these events when they're just in bad locations unless they're specifically going to that event because no one else is going to go and they're trying to score some easy CP. I think attendance has definitely dropped since 2014. Like we had 1500 people in SoCal regionals. We didn't come close to that the following year and we're probably not going to get close to that this year. I think attendance is definitely dropping partially because you know, the interest from mainstream crowd, casuals and stuff like that dropped majorly from X and Y to, you know, Oris. And like you guys said, people are going to, you know, spread out because there's more regional locations now. 
And I think that's sort of impacted attendance numbers. Do, do you think the fact that the 1500 person regional though, like went so long, do you think that had any impact on it too? Cause like, I would um, imagine maybe. most of those people probably were somewhat local. Especially if that was their first time, I can imagine they would yeah. not want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's also like advertising and stuff. I think uh, VGC regionals were advertised in the box of X and Y. I could be wrong, but oh yeah, I, yeah. Like, I have a true. box nearby. I could probably check that actually. I think it was in like the manual somewhere. It said go play VGC, huh. and I don't think that's ever happened. Uh, you know, since then in orders. And they had that in-game ticker that like when you logged in on that it would say hey get ready for whatever regional championships yeah like i think attendance has definitely dropped because they've lowered uh you know advertising things like that because they realized they don't want 1500 person regionals like that's insane like i was there from (laughs) it angers the fire marshal that's for sure yeah (laughs) i was there from 8 a.m to like 3 a.m for one regional like they don't want that and I mean, they might get it coming up. Like, I think if they want to boost numbers, they're going to release a new game and advertise it like they did with XY. And I think a new game is probably coming this year. Um, like, if if the attendance dropping is real, they if they want to increase it, like bigger prizes will bring back people. Like, a scholarship worth twenty k is whatever. I thought. And then, oh, like, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I would and love then, a 20k scholarship right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think, like, new games, bigger prizes, and new rules will definitely just, you know, bring back enthusiasm for VGC. And if they advertise it like X and Y, then that'll definitely boost. Or they could have giant Pokemon Go events at each of the regional locations. I yeah, mean, I think definitely. that's probably a given no matter what. Like, it's... in. It's interesting, Paul, that you brought up prize support, because I think a lot of, you know, longtime VGC players at this point are really frustrated with the fact that, like, VGC prize support is, like, you get a bunch of cards, and that's it. Yeah. And, like, I remember reading something recently that, like, I guess now prizes are just all in the hands of TOs, and it's up to them to, like, figure out what to give. I don't know. Yeah, it, it that's probably true. Like they have a bunch of cards and they want to give those away. Like TCP or TPCI will give them an allotment of cards, say here, give these out, and then TOs can go beyond that, I guess, but I think it's in the hands of TOs to up prizes, but if TPCI gets involved and, you know, people are paying $20 for entrance fees and stuff, like if some of that went into like gift cards for the Pokemon Center website or, you know, eShop gift cards. Like, I think people would be more apt to, like, join stuff like that. Like, I don't want cards. I want, like, stuff related to to ha- what I play this game for. Like, the video game. Yeah, like, I mean, they even stopped doing, like, the event Pokemon distributions at regionals. Which, I know, like, Shiny Eevee wasn't the most amazing thing, but, like, it was something. Mm. And they used to have custom DSs too. Yeah, the, there oh, used yeah. to be the the custom DSs were only for worlds, but like, but they existed. Yeah, they existed, and then they stopped, which sad. Yeah, they could even do like custom face places, 
um, now that the uh, new 3DS not XL is a thing in the U.S. If they want it to be, like, super cheap but still really cool about it. (laughs) Or cardboard stands to protect you from screen peeking. (laughs) Everyone just plays into a box. Yes. We need battle boxes back. <laughs> literal battle boxes. <laughs> yeah. just, yes. The literal ones, the... not the ones in game. I know yeah. what I'm cosplaying for nationals now. <laughs> I mean, I again, like bearing the disclaimer that, as you say, Smith has openly admitted he didn't actually have any statistics to back this up. I mean, I do want to entertain the question a little bit more, and also, but I don't want to like entirely just spend this entire segment blaming the staff and like tpci's price support i mean that is a problem that's a legit problem but um because especially like the top tier players are like i i have heard people talking about like wanting to play other games like smash and hearthstone that already have like better price support that that's always been a thing though those conversations have always been going on i i know i know but it's the it's it's not something that's gone away um but the other and it won't, because we get new players, and then they burn out. And that's just how it goes. I think the burnout is also something that's... I mean, that that's definitely a real thing, and I, I don't I don't want to blame the staff entirely for that. I think that that might be kind of an overstretch. I think... And I mean, it is, it is like, a, a prize support thing. It is a, the fact that we now have to play year-round instead of doing it one season like we used to back in 2011. Oh, yeah. But I, I think um, there's a lot of stuff that has been the same for yet for several years that that hasn't really gone away so it's like it's not something new but the fact that it's been around and hasn't really been addressed could reasonably cause a decline like i guess like, like i know i've i've said this for years and i, I kind of sound like a broken record in particular to you guys but like um there are there are certain players in the community that can be really toxic and like especially in the absence of good price support I, I think a lot of players like really want the prestige because they want to because like that's all they're going to get and so like that's the only way they can really have any sort of satisfaction or release and so they'll they'll put worlds on a pedestal and so like there's a lot of players that will basically like consider you as you're either a world's player or you're a scrub and it's and i think that in the like the like the top tier players are getting frustrated because they're not getting rewarded for their efforts and the bottom tier players are like getting frustrated because their best efforts are not like there's going to be a significant number of the player base that is never going to qualify for Worlds. And it used to be like we'd have stuff like qualifying for Nats or like like little tournaments leading up to it. And like it wouldn't burn us out requiring us to play the whole year just to teach us that same lesson. And I think that we as a community like have to share this responsibility with the staff. Like it's not just the lack of price support. I think like it isn't logical to, to just like um, assume it's just the staff. I think part of attracting numbers in the community is actually making your community worth being part of. And I think we have to kind of get over ourselves and get over this flawless or bust mentality. And we have to get over this mentality that's like, like even to this year, like we, we, we as a community have been begging for years for a CP bar and we finally got it. And the first thing that happened, like Twitter was blowing up with players talking about how like day one people are just, are still scrubs and like, and like there are people who are still trying to get to day one to begin with. And like, they're already and like the top players are already bashing that idea, and it's kind of like, when is it going to be good I, enough? I'm not sure I would call those the top players. <laughs> More like the saltiest players. There are. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to bash anyone's skill, so I'll just, I'll just 
give them the benefit of the doubt. But I, I do feel like as a community, we kind of need to get over ourselves and we need to stop drawing these lines in the sands because it's, it's alienating players. And, and it contributes to the burnout when people feel like the only, the only pedestal is worlds. And, and like, if they're never, and like, there are a lot of players that are never going to get there. And it's, and I, and I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying just as a reality. But, that the... but Chalky, if I can't break other people down, how will I feel better about myself? <laughs> you know, I think a lot of, we joke about that, but I think a lot of people actually feel that way. They would never admit it, but I think they do. Yeah. And like, this is kind of interesting to bring up now because I think it like kind of goes back almost into the sponsorship conversation we were having earlier. Like, I mean, I, I will admit, I sometimes get this impression a lot where it's like, oh, I'm not sponsored. Like, I'm clearly worthless as a VGC player. Or, oh, I only made Day One Worlds. I'm clearly worthless as a VGC player. Like, it's so easy with this community to get caught up in that mindset where, like, no matter how well you do, it's never good enough. Like, it, it's, I mean, maybe it's the same with other esports. I wouldn't know because I stay away from them. But, like, I, something has to be done. And I think the Pokemon c- company is, like, trying really hard with the CP bar to get rid of this attitude. Because it's like, congratulations, you made worlds. Take your free stuff. Have fun at this giant Pokemon party, which you're never going to see anywhere else in the country until next year. Like, you know, have fun, enjoy your accomplishment, and then come back next year. Like, I think, I really think that's honestly all they want this community to be and i'm okay with that i mean and adding prize support in a, like in a certain extent is going to like it will attract more numbers but it will also attract more of these like people who only care about the competitive side just give so, us like, reuse or or 3ds's <laughs> or or eShop gift cards like it doesn't have to be a lot of money it just has to be not cardboard things or cardstock, or whatever cards are made out of. What if we got cardboard cutouts of Pokemon? I would still rather have the Wii U. What if it was a walrus? <laughs> like a literal walrus? Like a giant cardboard walrus. You can have that one, Fidget. I'm going to hold out okay. for the yeah, Wii Yeah, I don't want that one. <laughs> I, d- <laughs> I, want, I want anything with a walrus. Alright, so note to self. Just... Make sure Sam gets a walrus at some point this season. Yes, that is how you fix the BGC community. <laughs> Give Sam a walrus, everyone will come back. Yes, I. that is a promise I can make. I will drag them there <laughs> and say, look at this walrus. This is what you were going to miss out on, but not anymore, because we got it. And you're here, because I dragged you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we solved that problem, guys. Good work, team. All right, last question here. Um... Can we determine common... Ar- this is from Steel Skarm, by the way. Uh, can we determine common archetypes at this point? If so, what are the... I can't read that. Base. Base for them. I think there's like f- five archetypes. Like, I think there's primal weather teams. I think there's the big six teams with Xerneas, Smeargle, etc. I think there's Mega Ray teams. I think there's Trick Room teams. And I think there's Mega Rayquaza teams. Wait, what's the difference between Mega Ray and Mega Rayquaza? Did I say did I say Mega Ray twice? Yes. Oh. Okay. <laughs> then Mega Ray once. <laughs> and then whatever Rizzo's running. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Cause he'll run it at one regional and then everybody will run it at the one the next week. 
Yeah. Although that that's been a thing. Like even before even before Ray was a thing, that's been a thing. Like I remember there was one regional that you Paul won in particular, and then I saw your I had to deal with your team. Cause like you, so, so again, going back to the time where like you had to use regionals to qualify for nationals and back when regionals was just spring and like, there was one regional that you, you specifically won the very first one, the Seattle regional. And like, I went to the next two and I had to deal with your team over and over and over again. <laughs> and I was like, darn it, Paul. Wait, which team yeah, was that? that? Top Ogre. Oh, yeah. I remember that now. That team took over the season for a long time, and yeah, people will latch on to whatever's good and easy, and I think right now that's Xerneas Smeargle stuff. I was actually referring to the year before that. It was something with Machamp, Trick Room, and like, um, I think that also had Dark Flight, now that I think about it. Yeah, it did. It was Transform Smeargle that, way before anyone ever thought of using Transform Smeargle. It, I, I distinctly remember just watching videos of you transforming into whatever nonsense they had on their team. And then it, it was, and it, and it was brilliant because not only was it something that was instantly resisted by their team, but it was also you instantly scouting their team and making your <laughs> predictions that much easier. It was, it was a fun time, but that it was a fun time watching it. But then I was like, that sure is a cool concept. I'm glad I watched. And then I instantly had to play it over and over again. I just got so sick of it. <laughs> I mean, Top Ogre, that, I think that was going to happen no matter who started that one. That one was, like, just inevitable. But I think I think you and your, your Machamp Smeargle thing was just out of control. It's the original con artist. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could also transform into another dynamic punch no guard that was... <laughs> yeah. Which was just obnoxious, because awesome. then two things could just confuse your team. So, anything else you guys want to bring up before we close out this now incredibly long episode <laughs> i i'd like to go back to the primals of sandwiches conversation <laughs> okay what, what what is this what what's that <laughs> okay so two episodes ago just listen to that um listen to the intro and then listen after the outro because i cut about five minutes of that out <laughs> and put it there but basically smith is dumb <laughs> That's that's the long and short of it. That seems to be the theme um, of this episode from from your perspective. <laughs> You've been saying yeah, that a lot. I, know. I, I wanted him on an episode before that because I wanted to call him dumb, and I couldn't remember why, and I figured if he was here, he'd say something, and I'd get to do it. And sure enough, like one minute in... <sighs> we need to get him a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Subway sandwiches, of course. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Please. Alright, so, you can find this podcast on iTunes, or there's a blog on Nugget Ridge. Please put questions for the show in that blog, because I don't like having to ask at the last second on Twitter and then getting a billion notifications. So, if you have anything, like topics, questions, corrections, whatever, just throw it there. Yeah. Uh... I like to plug my Twitter. It's uh, NB Plaid. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. It's NB McCary. <laughs> my Twitter is NB Plaid. Please spam me with as many questions <laughs> as possible. Yeah, and if you read that that blog that was mentioned earlier about sponsorships, like I think just spreading the word about that is a good idea. Like 
as many people that can read that as possible. Can we put that in the show notes? Uh, I can. Boom. Good enough. All right. So until next time, I'm Sam. I'm Jockey. I'm Gabby. I'm Paul. And we'll see you next time on The Lava Pool. Later. Keep Audacity going, and I'll probably edit this part out. So, so can I say, oh. like, butts? Yep. <laughs> butts. 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 Butts.